Hello, you are listening to episode 9 of Desi Geek Girls. I am Preeti Chibber. I'm Swapna Krishna, and we're recording on Monday, July 17th. It has been a while, it feels it, like. it's. Um, I was looking at the calendar, and it's been like five weeks since we last recorded a regular episode, so we got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to talk about, and most of it's recent, because I feel like we can't go too far back and also June is like a blur and I don't really remember what happened in it and we're already halfway through over halfway through July and oh, I don't know where time is going I know I'm so we're both very tired tonight so because it's Monday um and Preeti just got back from gallivanting around <laughs> Germany and yeah <laughs> so we're both I'm I have no excuse I'm just lame but we're both tired. Yes, a little a little jet lagged. But speaking of time, this is a <laughs> great segue. Yes, it is. What, one of the biggest pieces of news that, that jo- dropped on a weekend of like a lot of big news uh, is the new Doctor Who. We have a new doctor. And, yes. And the doctor is a woman. It's not a man. It's not a man. Not a man. <laughs> and I sort of literally... I was texting with a friend right, like right before the announcement. Like we're waiting for this, the Wimbledon match to end, and uh, we're texting back and forth, and we're both kind of like, it's like it's never gonna happen. Like they're never gonna cast a woman no. ever. Um, and then like three minutes later, the news dropped, and it was Jodie Whittaker um, from Broadchurch, and also from. Um, the John Boyega movie, Attack of the Block, Attack of the Block, Attack the Block, Attack of the Block. I think it is Attack of the Block. Um, have you have you? Seen I haven't anything? seen it yet, actually. Okay, I haven't seen her in anything oh, either. I, well, so I saw her in Broadchurch. Okay, so I haven't. I am I am unfamiliar with her, but I'm very excited that they cast a woman because, like, I really didn't think it was going to happen. No, I don't think any of us did. Um, and, you know, it's. I dropped off the show a couple seasons ago because Stephen Moffat is just not for me. Yeah. You know, he took the show in a direction that I was not, it just wasn't for me. I understand people who are into it and I don't begrudge anyone, but I'm very excited that he's gone and yeah. that he is not going to be writing her because I don't think he writes women well. Um, I think it's going to be really exciting to see where the show goes and I think they have a lot Many more opportunities. And um, side note, of course, I wish it had been a woman of color. Of course. That, but I'm. I, this is still a step forward. I agree. Um, and I'm going to celebrate that rather than be down on the fact that it's not a woman of color. Yes. We're still excited. Um, we are. And I, um, I will admit I'm not the biggest Doctor Who fan. I watched the first like two or three seasons of the new like series with Eccleston and Tennant. I just never like there were it had moments of brilliance that kept me watching, but like the episode to episode like villain of the week storylines just I don't know it wasn't for me. I so know, I and you're not know. you're not a camp fan. I'm not a fan of camp, and, and it's the a, camp is a really it's campy a real campy show. But like I remember watching the um the the episode like Rose's last episode. And, like, just, like, but, like, my heart, like, I was just bawling. And so, like, I'm, like, I know I can, I'm emotionally engaged in this show, clearly. But I just, like, I can't, 
I can't get past like the episode to episode stuff I don't like for those like moments of greatness. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I would really like to at least I'll probably watch like the first episode to see if I can just kind of because I have a feeling a lot of people will be in my shoes, like having a lady doctor is going to draw in maybe a lot of new fans Mm -hmm. or like last fans. So I wonder if they will make it more of an entry point. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, there is, of course, overarching themes and overarching storylines. But as long as you hit those plotted episodes, like you're kind of fine to dip in and out. Um, There are definitely Monster of the Week episodes that you can skip if you want to. And I imagine the new season won't depart heavily from that. So it'll be interesting, I think, to see where they take it and I hope that they have a lot of women in the writing room because that always leads to better writing Um, agree completely like you diversify your writing staff a little and I promise you the the work will be stronger so that I it's exciting it's a it's an exciting time you know it's like the universe is giving us a few things yes there are some good things happening and it's good things happening it's nice uh, um okay so next the big I guess the big stuff like the big news we have to talk about is like D23 was oh, this past weekend. So much. I know. And um should we do Star Wars first or Wrinkle in Time first? Uh, wrinkle in Time. Okay. So <laughs> this is this is drop. Yeah. Sorry you guys. Can tell we did a lot of planning. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the Wrinkle in Time trailer dropped. Um, if you are not familiar with A Wrinkle in Time, it is a book that came out many, 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 many moons ago. Like, I still have the copy that my brother, with, like, my brother is, like, holding a pencil in his fist, like, wrote his name in, in, like, 1985 or something. Yeah. Um, it's by Madeline Lengel, and it is one of the first proper kind of sci-fi books that I ever read and loved. I think that most kids ever read. Like, it's kind of a staple. And it's it's a little bit of a mix of, like, sci-fi and fantasy and dystopia and a, a lot of these wonderful things. And it, I think it spoke to a lot of kids because the main character was this really quiet, nerdy girl named Meg Murray uh, who is thrust into greatness, sort of, by by way of her family and circumstances beyond her control and you know having to save her father and all of these things and without really giving away the plot if you haven't read it um it's a story about friendship and family and learning to love who you are and your place in the world and like kind of doing what's right even when when it's it's hard. hard um and so the movie which is directed by Ava DuVernay and oh I know and we were all very excited because it is a classic, classic, you know, piece of literature. And she's cast people of color in it and not mm-hmm. felt that even though we all grew up with this idea of white as default, that she had to stay within that lane. Um, yeah. And honestly, it looks so it good. Looked- so, um, Storm Reed, she's a, I think a new actress. She's mm-hmm. playing Meg and she's, um, I don't know her uh, actual ethnicity, but in the, um, in the movie she's playing, uh, like Meg is half black. 
Um, because her father is dreamy, dreamy Chris Pine. Oh my <laughs> God, I love him. I love Chris Pine. I mean, he, got, he looks real good. He does. He looks good. She's got a set of good looking parents in the in she the does. thing. You've got Gugu and Bata Ra as her mother, as Dr. Kate Murray, and Chris Pine is Dr. Alex Murray. <laughs> yeah, and he he mm, he looks good. That's I know. All I'm say. There's a there's a shot of him in um, you know, so he's he's taken basically and and imprisoned, and there's a shot of him in this like electric yellow or orange prison, but his hair is like his hair. all everywhere, and I I just want to put my hands in it. <laughs> It's like oh, Chris Pine. That's just how you know we're old. We're like, oh, the, the parents. The dad. The dad oh, the is dad. so hot. <laughs> That's how you know. <laughs> but really, I mean, he he, I think is going to be great. And um, Mrs. What's it? Mrs. Who and Mrs. Which are played by. Sorry, Preeti's what? like looking at me like very confused because I'm like looking. My husband brought me a beer. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. In order, Mrs. What's It uh, is played by Oprah. No, Reese Witherspoon. Sorry. Mrs. What's It is played by Reese Witherspoon. Mrs. Who is played by Mindy Kaling. And Mrs. Witch is played by Oprah. Yes. This, this movie is going to be bananas. This is going to be so good. And I love the way they did the trailer. Like, I do feel like the kind of creepy cover um, song, yeah. which they use uh, Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics. But I think they did it really well. Like, yeah. that's a little, a bit of an overused trope in trailers. But I thought this one was well done. So, it's, like, whatever. It was I don't nice care. because it, I mean, lent itself to the dreamy, sorry, yeah. quality of the trailer, which is these. I know some people had issues with the like pops of color because, you know, you do think of, or at least I think of um, A Wrinkle in Time and I think of like greens and blacks and blues and stormy weather and, you know, all of these things that you don't, I don't, I've never associated it with those really, really kind of technicolor hues. And so that was really interesting. Um, Yeah. I think I well, can't. I can't wait for this movie to come out. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm really excited. This is. This is. Def- I think it'll definitely be really, really great. Yes. And now we get to talk about Star Wars, and, and I'm so excited about, about both of the Star Wars things we get to talk about. Okay, so first thing, the 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 new land, the new Star Wars land called Galaxy's Edge. Thank you. I'm very bad at calling things the, like the Disney World themed parks by their names, like. I know Harry Potter is the wizarding world of whatever. Oh, but I just call it Harry Potter but world. you call it Harry Potter land or whatever. Yeah. This is going to be Star Wars land. Yeah, Star Wars land. I mean, it's, but it's going to be, um, from what I can tell, like the, they released like a bunch of photo of like, like concept art and like their first details of it. And it's going to be amazing. So it's going to be fully immersive, which yes. means like, you're going to walk into Star Wars land and you are going to be in Star Wars. Like all of the vendors are going to be like vendors of this like outpost planet that this is set on. All of the rides are going to be immersive. And so you can book a hotel, which Preeti and I are totally going to do. We are. We like, we have already discussed it. We are going to do this. We're going to, you can book um, a, like the, the like connected hotel and have a fully immersive experience. Like so like a they- costume and a, storyline 
and they black out the windows so it's like space out the window you can't even like see out the window because you're in space and like you get a full like yeah costume and you can go to the cantina and order yourself a beverage and like everything and yeah so shannon hale who is a a a writer um on twitter was like this is she wrote the book austin land and she's like this is austin land but for star wars yes and i am so excited i'm a little surprised i have to say that something like this hasn't happened earlier not with star wars necessarily because Star Wars has is in a resurgence right now, but that this is I don't know that there's anything else that provides this kind of main that's mainstream that provides this kind of immersive experience. And well, it's interesting that this is the direction we're going. I think that this sort of fandom and geek culture, it's all we're at like a it's like a perfect convergence of convergence of like times. So like yeah. fandom went from being kind of niche, you know, this idea of like yeah. If you were a fan, you could be like, oh, I'm a huge fan of this thing. Now it's like people can find their people so easily through, you know, Tumblr or whatever. That fandom has, like, become mainstream. It is cool to, like, like things, right? It's cool to be super into something. And now it's a moneymaker. I was going to say, and I think that coincides also with um, that our generation growing up and not letting go of the things we loved as yes. children. Whereas I feel like our the generations that came before us, that wasn't necessarily the case, but we're growing up and we're all still playing the video games. You know, we played as teens and we're still watching, like we still love the properties that we loved when we were younger. And so it's a whole generation of people with disposable income. Yeah. And, you know, so, we're not told that we have to grow up. Yeah. I and mean, not, we are, but we ignore it. <laughs> Not that I'm saying that everybody has the disposable income to do this because I have a feeling this is going to be so like ungodly expensive. I know. I've I've been doing that thing where you're like, okay, if I just write X number of pieces. Yes. And Yep. If I and then mortgage my house. (laughs) No. But um it's it's not that I'm saying that everyone because it will be like a definitely a privileged thing to be able to go. Yes. But um that more people have that disposable income now than and would be willing to spend it on this. I think that's they the key. Have. More people are willing to spend the money on it yeah. than in previous times, you know? I agree. Um, if you can look at just the levels of um, Comic-Con attendees, how, yeah. how, quickly, how quickly that's risen in the last, like, 10 years. And you can see the mainstreamification, that's not a word, but whatever, yeah. um, of this idea of, of like, like... And geek culture. Yes. And, yeah. All of the things that we yeah. know to be true. And so, yeah, this is like a perfect confluence of events. Um, I'm very excited, though. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Like, even if you aren't able to do, like, the whole immersive experience, just, I think, being able to go to this park and be a part of this universe, it's... I it's think pretty it's, great. I think it's going to be like when you, as a Harry Potter fan, walking through Islands of Adventure and all yeah. of a sudden you hear the music. Like I went, th- the first time I went to Harry Potter Land was like eight, whenever it opened, the year it opened, I, whatever that was. Um, and I remember very much like walking through the theme park and all of a sudden you hear the like, dun, 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 dun. and I was like, oh my God, it's happening. Yeah. And it was like the coolest thing ever. 
Um, yeah, no, I'm just, I like, I like, because like, I feel, I felt like, I know, I mean, I've known they were building this, but it didn't really feel real until I kind of saw all this stuff. Yeah. Um, because like when we were at Celebration, I was kind of like, this is the closest I'm ever going to get to like this feeling and I'm like wait no but it's no, not I'm actually go and be a part of it and I'm gonna have a costume and I'm gonna have a Star Wars name and I'm gonna just be the biggest nerd that ever did nerd and it's gonna be amazing <laughs> oh, okay it's gonna be amazing. the other um, piece of Star Wars I mean a lot of Star Wars happened this weekend but the yeah. other big thing was that we got the last Jedi behind the scenes featurette um, which is about two and a half minutes of just behind the scenes footage of the new movie. So and, what jumped out at you? Oh, I've watched First like, all, we'll put a link to the featurette in the notes. If you haven't yeah. watched it, unless I, I mean, I don't really think if if you're really adamant about like, you don't want to know anything about this movie going in, maybe don't watch it, but I think it's worth watching. Like I felt like there was a couple of things I picked up that I was like, Oh, oh they're going to do that. Oh, they're going to do that. No, they're not because they might not, none of this, they might not put any of this in the movie. Yeah, after like a ro- the Rogue One, um, like experience, who knows what's going to make it to Seriously. the final cut. But I think, I thought it was absolutely worth watch- watching. It was so heartwarming. It the was. music was really good. And <gasps> I was like, is that new music? Is that, is the, that like, from, ding, the, and, and the like, the, the drums. Yeah, the drums were good. I, I'm trying to think of like, what was the thing that struck me, but what was hard and I think we're going to be doing this a lot, is any time Carrie yeah. Fisher is on screen, I start crying. Um, yeah. And of course, you know, it's her talking about family. and uh, um, But beyond that, uh, I forgot that Benicio Del Toro is in this movie. Yeah, me too. I, I just did. forgot. I forgot that Lupita was coming back, actually. Yeah. Um, and... Did you see that scene of um? It was just a flash, but Rose and Finn in Imperial in the in the, in the elevator, or I in mean, the in, the, in the thing. Suit. Yes, yes. Um, so that was really cool. That was very cool because clearly undercover or something. Something probably maybe. Um, um, okay, so it's, I know everybody is waiting in suspense because we finally got to kind of see the whole short coat outfit of Luke. <laughs> and I felt very strongly in the first trailer about him in this awkward short coat, but actually it looks okay. I'm okay. I think I'm okay. I'm gonna like wait to pass judgment until I've seen it more, but I think I'm okay with the short coat. I mean, the what we get from this is what it seems like. What we get from this is that there are three. There's Ray training. Mm-hmm. There's whatever Finn and Rose caper is happening, mm-hmm. and then there's Poe and BB-8 and and maybe Leia. Maybe Leia. Um, there's whatever's going on at the resistance base right so there's like these three pieces but then there's also this like club like monaco gambling den wherever with laura dern do not know where that plays into so many people in this movie there's so many people in this movie um and i feel like the message we keep getting is this movie is like it's unexpected like it's not it's not what you think which I think is in, like I feel like every time anyone talks about it, they talk about like, oh, I was surprised, I didn't expect this, and I don't know if it's like we're 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 hypothesizing correctly because we we've been told to expect something different, or it's you know it's just going to come out of left field. 
I don't know. I'm a little nervous. Uh, I'm very nervous. I'm a little nervous about it. I mean, I'm going to be nervous about ever. I I just I I'm just going to be. That's just the the way it is. But But I think for me after Rogue One and um Force Awakens, I trust Kathleen Kennedy at this point and Lucasfilm. Like I know like there we didn't really go into it too much with the Han Solo movie, but like she has been like there, there were some not great stories going around about her, but at the end of the day, I've trusted her vision so far, thus far, and so I'm like, all right, well, she's done right by me so far, so I'll stick with her. Yeah, I mean, a Lucasfilm story-wise seems to have learned a lot of lessons from movies past, and the universe keeps giving us good story. I know I saw a little bit of. Um, Nancy and Brian from Tashi Station were talking about this on Twitter the other day of not wanting any more Force lore. Mm-hmm. They were specifically talking about uh, Rebels, but I, you and I both love that stuff. So yeah, I love that stuff. I I think, say, as long as we don't talk about midi-chlorians. No, no, I'm but good, like, you know, we love that stuff. So I think we're going to get that from this movie, um, from some of the, I, I just have a feeling, and like, I liked some of the glimpses we got of the sets, like those those weird huts. I think, yeah, I think that was Skellig Island. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, um, yeah. There's a lot. There's just, it's there was just so much in that. There was just, because it was just, like, glimpses, so there was so much packed into that. But um, I really enjoyed the glimpse. And I, I, I bet that we got it because there's no Han Solo footage. True. <laughs> like, I have a feeling the reason that they did, because they didn't do anything like that for Force Awakens. We didn't get any behind-the-scenes footage. Oh, that's true. I mean, Force Awakens just got was a trailers. different... That was a different experience, though, because... Right, even Rogue One, we didn't get... You know, Rogue we got... Rogue One, we got a featurette, though. Did we? Yeah. We did get a featurette of Rogue One. That I remember. Um, Force Awakens, I feel like, because they were just like, no, 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 no one's seeing anything. This is the first yeah, Star Wars movie sense. in, like, however many years. Like, we're, we're doing this right. Um, Rogue One, we got a featurette, so I wasn't surprised by this featurette. Han Solo, I think it's too early to show us anything. And yeah. beyond beyond the reshoots and beyond all of that, I, that movie yeah. doesn't come out till next May. May twenty. So a year, another year, more yeah. less than a year, nine months, whatever. And then it's probably gonna get pushed. Would be yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely gonna get yeah. pushed till December. Um, um, but yeah, no, I think it was good. It was heartwarming I mean it was kind of what I wanted out of it like it gave me enough glimpses to like it gave me enough tantalizing clues while not really giving anything away and then it like tugged at my heartstrings and had really good music um also uh for our listeners when you watch it pretty early on if you pause quack like quack quack quickly enough you'll see a shot of Chewbacca of Chewbacca's head mask um with his hair and curlers and it's really cute. It's cute. It gave, I me, love. A, it gave me a good giggle. Um, oh, so Chewie is a character in the, by the way, in the Disney Star Wars land. We, I forgot to mention that, but he is a character in the Star Wars land. So you get to hang out with Chewie, which I am here for and will do. I'm so excited. It's going to be so good. So I'm so fun. excited. Oh, God. I hope the world still exists for us to go to that. I know. We're going to come back to my, like, obsessing over people dying before Star Wars. <laughs> oh, we'll save that for our uh, Force Awakens discussion. Fair enough. Um, and then, 
the other thing to come out of D23 was the ca- main casting for Aladdin. Yeah. Um, the Aladdin live action movie, which I will admit, I am not super interested in these Disney live action movies. Like, they're fine, but I'm glad they exist. But, like, they're not really my thing. Aladdin I might see because it is, it is like, shockingly a ca- main cast of color. They didn't cast white people. Right. I expected it to be it's like Scarlett Johansson as uh, Jasmine, and you know, uh, like, and so it's very exciting that they actually cast and like, so Will Smith. I remember Will Smith is the genie, yeah, and I'm trash right now because I don't remember either of the Aladdin uh, or Jasmine. Naomi Scott is Jasmine. She um, is half South Asian, like she's half Indian, I think. She's part Gujarati. Yeah, and then. Um, the boy, because I know her. She was in Power Rangers. Yes, yeah, she was. And then, oh, oh, I clicked on the wrong thing, and now my computer is not gonna work. So we. Mena Masood. Thank you. And I don't know where he. I don't know where he's. But anyway, it's good. It's good news. Brown people for the win. So they didn't. There's been some um, criticism that they didn't cast uh, an Arab or Middle Eastern woman as um, Jasmine. And mm-hmm. I I understand that sentiment. But at the same time, those the cultures and myths are so... There's a lot of overlap there. Like a lot of the inspiration for A Thousand and One Nights. Written um, by a French man. Right. It, it did come from... There's Some of it came from South Asian literature. And it's actually not... I think I Aladdin is actually of um, it's a Persian, like, Persian or and Chinese. I've also heard. Yeah, like it's not the whole the region. And while, while I am hesitant to like say it too strongly because Asia is not one mythical <laughs> mystical nope. place, there is a lot of overlap in culture. And you know, it is in history. I do keep saying that, like the criticism of them not casting Middle Eastern or, or actors of Arab descent is absolutely valid. Mm-hmm. part of me is like it's not white people I'm excited that they didn't whitewash this film because I agree uh, the last movie we got that was even remotely set in any sort of moderately similar sort of circumstance was Prince of Persia oh my god Jake Gyllenhaal, Jake Gyllenhaal. So, so my my feeling is on it in a perfect world sure like she would have but I'm 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 calling it a it's win it's about small victories man yep I'm calling it a win we get those so small victories and we show them that we show up at the theater. Yep. And then it gets better and better. Fingers uh, crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the thing that I'm super excited about talking about. Okay. So if you um, have not seen Spider-Man Homecoming yet, um, you just need to like fast forward this because we are going to get really spoilery. Yes. But if, you want to hear Preeti squee? Um, Keep listen on. Okay, Preeti. Oh my Let's god. Let's go. All right. So let me tell you a story. Uh, on, I think we all, our listeners know that I, I fucked up and I bought a ticket to leave the country the week that Spider Man came out. Um, and I do feel like I was punished a little bit for that by Delta losing my bags for four days out of my six day vacation, and I you know, did my penance and I flew back on Tuesday, July 11th. My flight was at 
1130 out, out of Berlin. I flew into Queens at about four ish, 430. Uh, I dropped my bags off at home and I went to the theater to see Spider-Man Homecoming. How tired were you? I was so tired. Like the second, because you've seen it twice. Have you seen? Did you I've see seen it a second twice. time? Is that this okay, so did you like the second time? Were you like, I don't remember that. No. So here's what I did: is all I did the day that I was flying, I drank so much soda, and so much. I had tea. I had soda. I came home. I had some chai. I bought a giant soda at the theater. So I was like. I was that, like, my body was shaking because I was exhausted, but I had so much caffeine inside of me. Like, so that's healthy. what was happening. I was, like, semi-delirious. Like, I was going to be like, were you shaking because it was the Spider-Man you wanted, or were you shaking because of the caffeine? I was so excited. It was, yeah, like, endorphins and caffeine and, like, exhaustion all coming together. Um, and I loved it. I mean, if you, I, there was, like, there, I, it just, it was great. <laughs> So you sat through like how many five Spider-Man movies yeah. of I, Peter Parker's that were not your Peter Parker. So here's the thing. Um, I remember going to see the first Spider-Man movie in the theater, the Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man. And I liked it. All the I weird stuff, organic web shooters, all of it, because there was nothing else like it. Yeah. That did not exist when that movie came out. That movie came out. Then Spider-Man 2 came out, and that was also fine. Alfred Molina was great as Doc Ock. Agreed. Uh, then there was never a third Spider-Man movie, so whatever. I um, ever actually saw it. Oh, I wonder, I we should watch it one day. I haven't seen it in years. Um, we, won't, we won't dwell. Amazing Spider-Man, the... Um, Andrew Garfield was also fine. It was uh, fine. It was fine. Him and movie. Emma Stone at least had good chemistry. They had good chemistry, and the writing for Spider Man was great. Not great. It was good. Amazing Spider Man 2 was a travesty. It was yeah, it was terrible. Mm -hmm. So much wrong happening in that movie. But like you said, the thread throughout all of these is that they never quite got a handle on how to write Peter Parker. So tell me, Preeti, in this new movie, did they finally get Peter Parker? They got Peter Parker right. Woo! So part of that, I think, was casting an actual teenager. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Tom Holland was 19 when they filmed this movie. And it, sh it works in a way that didn't work when you have like a 27, 20, however old Tobey Maguire was. I don't know. Uh, but he was a grown adult when he yeah. was playing a teenager. And it it doesn't the the awkwardness and the bad decision making and the like uh uncomfortable like foot in mouth syndrome works so much better when it's an actual kid doing those yes. things because you're kind of like you're a teenager he was so good he, he was so good he was really good there were these moments that were just like straight out of the comic book without doing like a you know Zack Snyder kind of thing, which was too close, um, where you have him actually, it, it was like they took, you know, Peter off the Marvel page and put him in a movie. And you could see it in the, like, every interaction that he had with a person. Um, and we'll get to supporting cast, because I think everything, everyone in this movie is great. 
but every interact there's this shot where right after Ned finds out that he's Spider-Man, and I, maybe we've discussed this on the show before because I think they released a clip about this, where Ned's like, "Does May know?" And Peter's like Tom Holland's voice, yes, just goes into this register of like like he's talking so fast and he can't breathe and he can't get it out and he's so stressed out about it. And it was this like perfect moment of like you can't tell me, which I genuinely, I actually do think we've done this before because I remember doing that exact thing. Um, but there were so many other moments that were like that of him like being written as a real person, like when he goes to the party, and Ned is trying to convince him that he's got to get Spider Man out because Flash doesn't believe that Peter knows Spider Man or knows. Um, and Peter goes, I'm just going to be myself. And it's this, like, lovely, earnest, genuine, dorky Peter moment of, like, no, this is this is how the world works. I just have to be myself. And I'm going to get the girl. Which, in true, like, Peter Parker fashion, that is exactly what happens. But there were no shots of him in a hoodie crying under a tree in the rain. No, no, there were not. And I was so happy about that. And the crying, when he did cry, it wasn't because necessarily of the emotional problems. It was because he was a child in a situation that he wasn't necessarily equipped to handle on his own. Yeah. I thought he got, he was perfect. Like, I thought he did such a good, like, he was, he, he was everything you needed, like, it's not easy to carry that role, especially no. with what's come before. You needed someone who's like kind of gotten an earnestness about them yeah. an insecurity, but also like you can believe that he is the guy in the suit and can yeah. do all those things. And like, it, that's a hard thing to balance and he did it so well. Like I was really impressed yeah, with I mean, him. Something they did really well in this movie was making it, it wasn't an origin story because we, we've we seen that a million times and I think everyone appreciated the fact that we never need to see um, Ben Parker get shot on screen. I was going to say, again. thank God Uncle Ben is dead. Like, <laughs> he's gone. Thank goodness. Um, but they managed to still make this movie about something that happens in uh, the Spider-Man comics pretty frequently of Peter having to come to terms with wanting to live his life but still having the suit and the like they said the great responsibility that comes with the great power and they do it in a way that felt really organic to this to the character and to the marvel cinematic universe as a whole yeah it's not a coming of age or it's not an origin story but it's a coming of age story right. like and you can they can be two separate things and you and i talked about this a little bit earlier um just you know, on G chat, but, um, about how it's a different kind of Marvel movie, which is refreshing because mm-hmm. all the origin stories, not again, that this wasn't an orange story stories, but until, until basically Ant-Man, all the origin stories were the exact same. And I'd argue and, even Ant-Man was basically Iron Man, but funnier. Yes. I, Ant-Man was Iron Man, but with a kid, like with, like, I feel like Ant-Man at least like they, made it a little more kid-friendly with the, like, addition of the well, daughter yeah, and stuff like that. It's, but you know. And then go, even with, like, I guess Doctor Strange did come after Ant-Man. So, like, they've all been the same. And, well, and it's, it's part of that is having a care, like... It's all white 
middle-aged men. Right. And so <laughs> when you have something, they took an opportunity with this one. You know, I was reading about it. I was reading the article, I think, in Entertainment Weekly. Um, and they were talking about the differences between this and the previous Spider-Man movies. And one of my favorite things is they were like, well, this is a queen story. Yeah. You know, this isn't a tourist Spider-Man yeah, story. Yeah, I, well, I read a, the same article. Right? They're like, this isn't like all those other movies. Majority of it takes place in Manhattan, which is not the case when Peter's 15. Yeah. Like, Spider-Man, when he's a kid, is a kid. He's It's a queen story. It's a neighborhood story. Um, and so setting was so great in this movie. Setting was really good. The school, we've talked about this before, but the diversity in his school, the, because the school that's what an urban like a, school looks right. like. Yes. Every, every shot. Every shot. And, like, um, the, ca- the extended cast with, like, Zendaya was excellent mm-hmm. um oh i should that's my like major complaint about the movie her and um may were my two favorite characters and just i, feel, I was just like oh more screen time please um may actually my biggest issue with the movie is the way they treated aunt may well that's that's part of why because like i read like i was reading some articles oh, about the like scene yeah, that was cut, and, like, so there was a scene, if you're not aware, there was a scene that was cut that basically had, like, May saving someone when Peter was, I guess, younger, and he, like, kind of got his inspiration to superhero from his aunt. And I really, like, my issue with May, I loved the little, the personality we saw in her, but my issue with the way she was treated in the movie was that her defining characteristic was that she was hot. Yes, they like every single scene, and you're like, I get it. And you I know. was like, I wanted more, and I I could tell there was more to the character because they gave her some good personality, and so like as like like, and so I was like, I know there's more to this character, and I really wanted to see more of her. And then like Zendaya was just like, oh my god, she was. She was so excellent. She was a breath of fresh air. Every sh- every scene of her, like, sh- I mean, she's a pro. She's, that girl's been acting forever. Um, and so I'm not surprised. But she was just such, she was so funny. And, like, but still you, like, felt for her when she was, like, I don't have any friends. You're like, oh. Yeah. You poor girl. But that shot of her with, oh, with the, what's his face? Oh, my God. The gym teacher. Why am I? I'm so. I'm so sorry. I'm so tired. I'm losing everyone's names. Um, Barres. Why can't I think of his first name? Uh, Hannibal Barres. Hannibal Barres. How did I forget Hannibal? Hannibal Barres. When she like does the drawing. Not like I was being helpful here. I'm just like sitting like staring. I'm like I don't even remember what the gym teacher. No, you're being so helpful. Uh, (laughs) When they're in detention and she's like, I like to draw people in crisis. But I also loved, like, you could tell she has this major thing for Peter. Oh. And, like, I love yes. how she tries to play it off. Like, not that not that I'm obsessed with him. Like, and they have such, I mean, they're together in real life. But, like, the actors. I think so. I don't know about that. I they, feel like there was, there was a rumor and Zendaya retweeted it. This is, like, the dorkiest conversation. There has been rumors going around that there are they are together. There Last are. I, 
but I, rumors, I don't. But there was there was some tweeting, which I don't know. I don't know. They, whatever. As they are not either of neither of them are my close personal friends. I cannot say one way or another. <laughs> so I will just leave it at um, they have really good chemistry. They do have great chemistry, um, and also um, the girl who plays Liz, um, whose name I don't remember. Laura Harrier. Yeah, she was excellent too. Um, I just love that they. I loved how they wrote these. Yeah, like there's that shot of the girls. Liz is one of them, and um, Betty Brant, and I don't think we ever got a name for the last girl. But they were talking about like they're basically doing F Mary Kill the Avengers. Yes. <laughs> and there's this great moment where Liz is talking about Spider Man, and she was like, "It wouldn't matter if he was like burned because." I would love him for who he is on the inside. And I was like, I've had that exact conversation when I was like 16 yep. about whatever boy band, you know, that was, I loved that moment. But I, then they were allowed to be real people, right? Every kid in that school is a nerd. Yeah. Like, yeah. Tommy um, Revel- Revelory, who plays Flash. Oh, he was great. He was so good. There's so many like kids of color in this school that he was allowed to be the asshole, and that was great. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he didn't have to be a good kid just because because he was the only one. Like he got to play Flash as such a dick. And, yes, and he was uh, it was great. But he was still on the friggin' academic decathlon team. And um, I have to say. That Michael Keaton might be my, he might have been my favorite Marvel villain, like, period. Yeah, he was, I I loved, I loved, like, instead of the, like, oh, he got, there's another lab accident, there's another blah, blah, blah. Like, it is, like, based, like, they found the alien technology. Like, it is, it makes sense. It's a storyline and a villain that actually makes sense, which a Spider-Man movie has never had. No, that's absolutely true. Um. And also, I remember this trailer, one of the first trailers was dropped very closely to around when the um, new Justice League trailer dropped. And there were lines in both of them um, in the Justice League trailer. I think Flash is like, what's your superpower? And Batman goes, I'm rich. Um, And then in the Homecoming trailer, there's a line about like, rich guys getting all the stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you're really making me like, identify heavily with the vulture right now you know like he was i think they treated adrian tombs well in the movie and i, I think, think they treated him very well i think it was a very simple he, it was it's hard to call him a villain right because, because he, has, he was towards towards the end he gets a little bit like you know he's kind of a dick but like he's never like you can tell he's not a bad guy he got put in a terrible situation and then things kind of escalated from there. Right. Which, like, that is not dissimilar to, I think, the Vulture's story. Um, there is a there's a Spider-Man miniseries that Mark Miller wrote several years ago called um, Marvel Knights. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. in the first volume, um, you find out Adrian has done this participate in this horrible thing because his grandson is very sick and he needed the money to help pay for treatment. Yeah. And so there's a basis for this idea that like, he's a sympathetic villain. Um, but I don't know that it would have worked in the hands of any other actor, but Michael Keaton, he was, he was so, so good. good. 
because Michael Keaton is like also like that scene where Peter like goes to pick Liz up for homecoming and he opens the door and I did not see that coming. I didn't see it. The entire theater gasped. But like when you find like Adrian being Liz's dad and Michael Keaton is so wonderfully like he's such a dad in that scene. Right. And you watch him like Peter is not this is a moment where he's just like, I don't know what to do. You know, my, the girl I'm going on a date with right now, her dad is a very evil man, right? But you get to watch Michael Keaton go from, like, lovable dad to villain in one scene in that car ride. And it's so much anxiety so and it's so fun to watch. Oh, so good. Um, that the scene, the two of them are very good together because... What another thing, another way that like having Peter played, having Spider Man played by a 15 year old or by a 19 year old rather, as a 15 year old, the odds of every battle feel so heightened, Mm -hmm. you know? So, like that last, the the not the last, but the conversation that they have in that warehouse, and even when the conversation they have in the car is terrifying because you can see the vulture kind of be like, I'm an adult. Yeah. I can handle this. You know? And so when they have that conversation then in the warehouse where he's decided he's going to kill a 15-year-old boy rather than have it screw with his family, it's so much more terrifying the length that he's willing to go to. Because it's clearly, it feels like a very unequal fight. Even though you know Spider-Man is Spider-Man. Yeah. But when you look at it, you have this a grown-ass man, like, adult man, staring down at a kid. And it's, the optics are just, and he's in his, like, jogging suit Spider-Man outfit, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, that scene was great, I thought. It was. Oh, the movie was just, there were so many good scenes. I, I can talk about this movie forever, I feel like. Because we haven't even oh. brought up Ned. Yeah. Oh, he was so good. So I know that there was a lot of, like, criticism. Because it did feel like Marvel sort of mined Miles's story. Um, so Jacob Batalon plays Ned. Uh, and he's very similar to Gank from the Ultimate Universe. You know, he's a heavyset Asian kid, super into Lego, like... It's a shame that we didn't get a Miles movie. You know, it's it's a shame that Marvel used those pieces. However, we'll come back to Ned in a second. Because Donald Glover is in this movie. Oh my god, I did not I didn't I didn't I didn't know that he was in it. Oh really? Yeah, no. Like I have not been paying much attention to this movie. Like, I mean, I think most listeners or most of our listeners know this by now, but like I like Sp- I like Spider-Man. I like Peter Parker. I was interested in this movie because you were excited about this movie. <laughs> More than like, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for a Spider-Man movie. But I was so excited that you were getting the movie that you wanted. <laughs> it's probably not a movie, I'll be honest, I would have seen in theaters if not for this. I would have, I definitely would have watched it, but I would have waited. Um, so I have just not been following the development of this movie much. So I didn't know. He, I, I was like literally like in the theater and I like pointed at the screen and was like, what? Wait, like, I, I, I was like mind blown when he showed up on screen. 
but he's playing Aaron Davis. I was so, so I went and saw this movie with my sister and another friend of mine and neither of them read the comics or like super duper into Spider-Man, but they like, they like, like the movies and they like the character. So when he was like, when you find out that his name is Aaron Davis, I like start hitting my sister. I was like, do you know what this means? And she's like, stop it. Because that is Miles's uncle. And he mentions a nephew. And so now yeah. we know that Miles Morales exists in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. I like I know there are no plans. I know that there is nothing in stone right now. But what is on screen and is canon is that Miles exists. And I can very easily see them setting this. I I don't think Marvel is brave enough. Um major spoiler alert for the Ultimate Spider-Man series right now. Um, but I don't think Marvel is brave enough to kill off Peter Parker. Like, I don't yeah, think they'll ever do I that. Agree. But also, I think it's a matter of licensing, because I'm pretty sure that, um, like, I mean, in terms of the Sony-Marvel deal, I know Sony Mar- Sony doesn't have the rights to, to Miles. I'm pretty no. sure Sony only has the right to Peter, yeah. but I think they do have the right to the Spider-Man name. They have the right to... I don't know if they have the right to Spider-Man. I think they only have the right to... Like, Peter I don't Parker think that... Spider-Man. But I don't think Marvel could make a Miles Morales Spider-Man movie. I think If they, I understand the deal correctly, which I may not. I am not I an expert at this. But, but I think if they would figure that out, which I don't know what this deal means and I don't know what the legalities of it are, but story-wise, like plotting-wise, I could see how if they were able to do it legally, um, they could have Peter slowly become like Avenger International Spider-Man and have Miles be friendly neighborhood New York Spider-Man, yeah. like, which they is what have, is happening. I would, I would watch the hell out of a Miles Morales TV show. Yeah. They could even have Miles in the movie, like, if they were allowed to, um, because there is nothing, this movie set up, sorry, this movie set up Peter wanting to learn as on the ground in New York really well, like, the yeah. they, it set up the, um, the, what is the word, the journey, Right. It's it yeah. set us up for what Peter's journey is, which is starting in Queens, moving to New York, like moving to New York, all boroughs and then Avengers. Yeah. Although we know it's going to homecoming to um, the Infinity Wars. So there's potential there. I um, think there's a lot of potential there. So like and they made it clear that the next iteration of the MCU's kind of Spider-Man's going to lead the way. Yeah. Of, you know, because they they they're aging out, you know. This is what happens in like when it's not just pen and paper, people age. People get older even though some, you know, we've seen that Hollywood can do whatever they want with uncanny valley style I know. special effects. Um but can we talk a little bit just really quickly because you said earlier um like about like Peter Parker's respect for his neighborhood and how it is a neighborhood story. And can I just say how much it meant to me? You and I have talked about this before, um, like just kind of the destruction porn in like the Avengers movies. There was like no, barely any. And like the one time, like it bothers me so much because I'm like, that's 
they have to rebuild that. There are yes. people in those buildings. And it like legit bothers me yes. when I see this stuff. And in this movie, the one time there is collateral damage, like real like collateral damage that you can see, which is the uh, bodega, like Peter feels it. Yeah. Because and it's his he's like stressed and he's upset. And like, I, I just, I mean, it was a small thing, but it meant so much because it really brought home that like, there are consequences and there are stakes where, and I, sometimes I feel like in the Avengers, yeah, um, you got that from like the Sokovia Accords and all that. But at the same time, they're still, they still do it. Right. I mean, it's, it's like um, whenever you see, it's it's seeing there was a series that came out years ago called like the Marvels I think I I read a long time ago about just the everyday people who are affected by superhero ness you know and so it was great seeing that in action on the yeah. on the movie screen there's that moment where they're all, they have to watch the Captain America gym oh movie my or whatever and again Hannibal Buress is like I'm pretty sure this guy's a war criminal but I still have to show you this like what a great throwaway line of like recognizing the absurdity of what is happening in the world versus like the day-to-day of everyday kids you know that I thought that was really clever how they handled that and also how Tony also um we're gonna talk about Tony um has this line where Peter is like did you tell the Avengers and he's like no this is small beans about these like these alien this alien weaponry yeah. that is like fallen in the wrong hands it looks small beans really or is it okay so talk about control? i was gonna say talk go ahead and talk about tony because i know you want to <sighs> i am not an iron man fan civil war the comic civil war series ruined iron man for me yeah he turned he was a fascist and it's hard to come back from that um, and we're not talking about the recent, like the movie Civil War, oh, or like um, the recent, the recent Marvel events Civil of War Two. We're talking about like Mark Millar, like two thousand six, yeah, Civil War. Which I I did read it, um, and it is, oh boy, I can't say I have a very positive impression of Iron Man and Tony Stark after that. It's just, just it's hard to like him after reading it how really terrible is he. You know they tried. People will disagree, and that's fine. You know, art subjective, but I think they tried to balance the two sides. But the minute you are supposedly for law and order, but then subvert those rules and make your and turn it into fascism by making it about whatever, I don't need to get into that. Anyways, I'm not a fan of Tony Stark. Yes, and in this movie, he is not. Tony Stark in this movie was. Um, Order of the Phoenix Dumbledore. Yeah, so I agree. So much could have been avoided if he had just been open and honest with a kid he pulled into this and told yeah. that he was going to support. You know, he told this kid that he'd support him and then just passes him off to not that Happy's a lackey, but he is a little bit of a lackey. Well, passes him off to his driver. Right, like... he passes him off to his driver, his right-hand guy, whatever who is not equipped to deal with a 15-year-old superhero. Yeah. Like, like, so you were saying, we were talking about this earlier, and you were saying, like, more than Michael Keaton, you felt like Tony, Tony Stark. Tony the villain. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm not sure I 100% agree with, but I totally 100% agree with your Dumbledore analogy. Because it, the way he just, like, you like you're, you said it perfectly. He, he is the one who pulls 
um, who pulls Peter into this like Avengers level galactic, like not galactic, but like Earth right. battle, like world battle, and then he abandons pulls, him, and then abandons him, and it's that's terrible, and it's a he's a kid, like he needs guidance, he needs, and Tony knows that he doesn't have like a, you know, he's just him and his aunt at home, his parents are gone, his uncle's gone, like come on, dude. And, like, so, I'm, I was being hyperbolic when I called him the villain. Uh, clearly, Vulture is the villain. However. But he's not a good guy. But he's not like, a he's good not, guy. He's not on the side. Of, you're not rooting for Tony Stark no, here. No. Like, he's not a good guy. He's not a good mentor. He's not a, like, and, and, you know, in the Civil War comics books, Peter's an adult, so it's a little different, but he's still looking for a mentor, and he's still looking for something. He's, He's looking for the same thing that Peter's looking for in this movie, yeah. um, which is someone to help him learn how to be what he wants to be, which is a hero who can be in a position to help others who need help. He doesn't get that. He gets his yeah. texts are ignored. His phone calls are ignored, uh, seemingly ignored. Even if Tony was taking the information and doing something with it, which is to say, told the FBI who then brought regular old guns to an alien weapon fight, okay. He didn't... He let this kid think that he was being ignored and abandoned, and so he basically was, like, through inaction, telling this kid to do what he needed to do to take care of it, because no one else was going to do it. Yeah. Like, that's... That's bad mentoring, man. Yeah, I... 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 And, like, I wonder if some of it is just, you know, you need to learn how to do this on your own. But, like, the kid's 15. But it wasn't even like, that. It, was, it like, wasn't. That's not what it was. That was that was half-assed, hindsight is 2020 sort of style of, like, taking your suit away was the best thing I could have done. Like, no, that was garbage. That was, like, I know they needed to have a reason that this was, I... <laughs> I know so, that there needed a reason that Spider-Man had to be on his own. Yeah, yeah, for but sure. But this was irritating. It also led, to, but that that also led to one of the best scenes in the movie that you're going to cosplay as. <laughs> Preeti for um, Preeti is going to cosplay as Trash Peter Parker in his I what was it? What's the shirt say? I survived my trip to New York. I, I survived. And then, like, Hello Kitty pajama pants. Which you cannot buy, so I'm going to have to make. But I I don't I don't know how to do that. So we're going to see what happens. Um, but find me. New York Comic Con, October 2017. You're going to be so hot in those pants if they're fleece. I don't think they're fleece. It's just fabric. I have to buy okay. fabric. Okay. Um, I think it's just regular fabric. Ned. 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 We have not Ooh. talked about Ned. I loved him. Jacob Badalon was so good in this role. Like, comedic timing. The, from the, the first line when uh, he's, like, mocking Peter's internship. And he says something like, oh, Mr. Stroke, here's your spreadsheet. Thank you, Peter. Here's a gold coin. And then without missing he's like, I don't know how jobs work. Like, the whole theater erupted in laughter. It was these, the movie was so great at giving us these, like, moments of, just really, really quality comedy. Yeah. And Ned was in so many of those moments. Um, and we talked about this before, but I felt like, oh, it was what I was saying before, actually. I was like, I thought I said something about this. But um, basically, this is the first, like, movie, sup- 
This is the first of Marvel's cinematic universe of the superhero movie in which superhero is not the genre. Yes. This I is agree. a YA movie. This, this is a teen movie that has superhero. Like, it is. And I don't think superhero needs to be a genre. And I think that's actually a weakness of a lot of the movies that have, they're at least, especially the ones that they're just churning out. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at this, like the trailer for this versus the trailer for Black Panther. Black Panther also looks very different than what's come before, yep. but it also looks very different than this. Yes. Like it's, I think they're finally starting. And again, it's because they're not, it's not white middle-aged men that are fronting these well, movies. I mean, we got it with Guardians of the Galaxy too, right? Yeah. Guardians okay, of the you're Galaxy. Right, you're right. That was the first one. You are right. Um, that was a sci-fi movie. It was a space that, opera. Yeah. It was a space opera. That is also, yeah, you know, you're totally right. That was the first one. And then, so this is now YA and then. Like, but I, I really like this and I hope they do more of this because like, I am getting really tired of just the like, like origin story, origin story, origin story, Avengers movie, origin story, origins. Like I it think, just gets old. I think they know. And I think they saw that with Civil War and Winter Soldier, which were both different. Yeah. Uh, slightly lighter in their differences, but this one they were the start they were this but i feel like those were just offshoots of the avengers movies you know what i mean they weren't a genre they were still they were basically avengers movies light very interesting and different but still avengers movies light yeah no i'd agree with that this one just handled so many moments so well i mean the action the the fighting was great you know it was not just that it was, like we said, it's coming of age and it's YA, so you see it in the way he's learning, right? Um, every fight Spider-Man has in this movie, he's better than the fight before it. It felt like uh, I loved all the pratfalls of him just, like, screwing up where the web needed to go for him to land properly and, like, falling on his face. And they didn't play it kind of in the same way that some of the past movies have played it, which is, like, a huge moment for jokes like it was like minor like it happened but you didn't even really get a pause for laugh really because it was just like growing pains we were like watching mm-hmm. his spider-man growing pains um and i love that moment where it's like the food tra- the food the vendor guy is like hey spider-man do a flip i love that there were just so many of these like lovely little moments that worked out so well um even the Stan Lee obligatory cameo yeah. was great, right? That scene where he's like, that's his car, and everybody's yelling was like... That the... was so... That oh. was a great scene. It was like the most New York of scenes where you're just like, everyone is screaming about something, and you know somebody walked by and was like, what the... I do not have time for this. Oh. There's so <sighs> much. There's so much in this movie. Okay, so um, we've been talking about it for about, for over a half hour Fine. now. So okay, closing move. closing thoughts. I, any do you have anything we haven't mentioned that you want to? Uh, there's so much. I'm sure there's so much. Um, it was. I I really enjoyed it. I will Martin say. Martin Star. I was excited to see Martin Star in it as the teacher. That was great. Oh, and um, the principal is one of the Howling Commandos. Like the same actor. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but the same actor played one of the Howling Commandos. And is like his grandson in this movie. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. That's great. It's like these, there's so many like little things that were so good. And the suit, we didn't talk about the like crisis oh, the of suit. the suit. The whole like the sh- the scene 
which is such a Spider-Man thing, right? Of like, I'm nothing without the suit. Like, what a great moment. But then that shot of Peter under the rubble. Yeah. After the thing comes down on him and like, you don't really, I mean, he's clearly going to survive, but it was such anguish and that infamous like shot of him looking in the water and seeing half his face and half of the mask. Like, I just thought all of those little things were done so well and like the plane at the end and it was just so good. All of it was so good. I love it. There's so much. There's so this much. Is, this is basically why I, why I watched the movie because I wanted to have this conversation with you. <laughs> it's like, I feel like there's so much. <laughs> I know. I'm going to see it again in like two weeks. I really like really, it. I thought it was, I thought it was, it could have been so terrible. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just one of those movies where I like, I'm so relieved. I'm like, oh, it was so fun. It was so fun. And I was just like, oh, thank God. Ugh. Finally, we got a good Spider-Man movie. We got a good Spider-Man movie and I still like sort of can't believe it. Oh, and like the shocker and the tinker. There's, I'm, the, the, the hint of the scorpion with um oh yes name, Matt Gar- Gargan or whatever at, who shows up at uh post credits no 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 he's um yeah yeah the post credits yeah he's the guy and then with Michael Keaton right yeah and like oh there's just so much good stuff like the the gag with the kid playing chess and then the same kid in in the toilet and like John Favreau was actually really excellent in this. He was really good. And like just the joy the joy they brought to this character and the joy that they brought in this film like that was my biggest thing is that the other Spider-Man movies revel so much in the angst and the yeah. and the like heaviness of the superhero-ness and this movie had that but it also had the like every scene was still infused with the joy of like a kid who like Peter says, can like stop a bus with his bare hands, right? Oh, it was really fun. It was really fun. It was really fun. Okay. We still um, have to talk about Full Metal Alchemist. I know. You ready to squeeze some more? Yeah. Okay, and, so, and cry uh, a little, probably. You guys remember um, maybe three, like two or three regular episodes ago, not including the Star Wars um watching um i had preeti watch a few episodes of the next generation and we discussed them and now it's time for her it was it's her cha- turn so she had me watch one two three four five six episodes of full metal alchemist but not the brotherhood version no the original anime that aired in 2000 2000 yes that right um so that I, I, okay. And so my story with anime is I've never watched anime. Like I had, <laughs> I, I, that I was had amazing. there's no story there. Um, there's no story cause I've never watched anime. I've read manga, um, uh, not a lot, but I started reading manga a few years. Like I'd read my first manga a couple of years ago, a couple, like three, maybe three or four years ago. But like, yeah, I just, it's not something I ever really was had a lot ton of experience with her exposure to. So this is my first anime. Okay. Okay, so, so why do you so what's you, well okay first what's your history with this and why do you love Full Metal uh, Alright, so I was not an anime watcher as a I mean I say a kid, but like basically through college. Um 
I started watching anime in college because uh, Adult Swim would play reruns of like Futurama and Family Guy at night. And then I would just have the TV on and there was a show called, there was Inuyasha and Witch Hunter Robin would come on right afterwards. And so I just sort of got sucked into those. Um, and then my sister, my little sister at the time, got very into Naruto. And then we found Full Metal Alchemist, which I now see started airing in Japan in 2003. Um, and at first sight, I was like, what is this show? I would see it on like Cartoon Network or like whatever. And be like, this looks like a kid's show. Like, I'm not interested in this. Um, and then I watched it and then I read it and then I watched it again when Brotherhood came out, and it is just one of the best, just the most in like well-written stories in both the original anime and the manga and Brotherhood. Out of these like characters that are so real in their, despite all the fantastical things that have happened or are happening in this show. Um, and so the series basically follows these two brothers, um, Ed and Al, Edward and Alphonse Elric, uh, who are alchemists, meaning they can make something as long as there's equivalent exchange happening. It's like turn. Think of the classic turning lead into gold, right. but they can turn any almost anything into anything else. As but the principles of it's science, not magic. So the right. principles of science still apply. Um, so you can't like you know you can't create something from nothing. So to create like you have to have the same amount of lead to create the same amount of gold. Right. Um, and you didn't go know anything going into this, right? You went in totally blind. I knew nothing. Like, I mean, I was even like, oh, alchemist, I guess I should have figured that. Yes. Like, I knew nothing going into this. I was completely blind. And I am therefore, <laughs> the, uh I was G-chatting her through watching most of this, and I was so lost in the first episode. Like, there was a point where she was like, do you want to pause it and ask me questions? <laughs> I like, don't know what is happening, like, because I just knew nothing. But everything, by the end of the first episode, I had pretty much figured out the answer. Anything I was supposed to know by that point, I had figured out, which was, I was really impressed, because that was a 20-minute episode, mm -hmm. and they had 20, like, 22 minutes to explain whole lot of like myth and backstory and character there's a lot that like that was one of the most tightly plotted best written first episodes of anything with that kind of like mythology depth that I've ever seen yes like it was so like I mean and I'm realizing it now too like thinking back I'm like wow they had a job to do in that first episode and they did it and it's like that those first two episodes I think it was um, were my two favorites of the, you know, six I watched. Like, those first two episodes set in that foreign, like, the land, the foreign land. Yeah. With the, with the fake, um, with the alchemist pretending to be, like, the priest to the god or whatever, or to have, like, godlike powers. Um, I thought that was, I, I don't know, I thought it was incredible. Like, I was so... I, I was so riveted for those two episodes. And then after those two episodes, I guess episode three... Start, went back and kind of started filling in their backstory. Yeah, so it throws, like, like not unlike a lot of other anime, it throws you into the main plotting, so you get very quickly into 
the characters and what they're doing, and then we'll pull you back to let you know how they got there. So I got through episode seven. Um, how long does it take? Like, is the rest of the show filling in their backstory, or does it like pick up where the first couple of episodes leave off? It fills off? in a lot of backstory, and then it'll it catches up. Okay. Um, but yeah, and so a lot of people commented when I was tweeting about you know watching this that this was a really good anime to start with, and I agree. Like, I feel like it. I thought it was really good. The characters were good. The I mean, like, I don't really, it was just, they were funny, they were cute, but there was a lot of darkness yes. that I didn't expect. I mean, I think that's when, when I told people what I was asking you to watch, and I told people the, the episodes I was asking you to watch, they were like, you're evil, you're a monster, because episodes, I basically had her skip the, like, one episode that doesn't really advance anything, um, but we made it through the chimera episode that was creepy oh my god i was like that thing like haunts me in my nightmares like oh my god that was such a disturbing episode i know and it's so but it's so sad and it it's so sad it, it gives you in one in those two episodes in episodes six and seven you see the stakes that mm -hmm. this this story gets to well and, you, and i I, I think you did a great job too because I feel like you, you you know this about me. I need an overarching story to be sucked in. Mm -hmm. Like I don't do well with like episode of – like even just in the general shows I watch, I don't do well with episode of the week. Like I need to be emotionally invested in a longer term thing that's going on and this very much did that. Yeah, because this this lets you know that one – you know, you know the darkness is there by the third episode – or by even the first and the second episode when... I think even in the like, first episode when you realize that, no, no, Al wasn't just wearing a suit. He is the suit. Yep. And then you found out that it's because they tried to bring their mother back from the dead. Yes. And lost either their entire body or pieces of their body. Yeah. Um, and there is a heaviness to it that the writing is just really good. Yeah. It is story. Um, How long is the full series? It's actually not that long. Um, it's like fifty-two episodes. That's not bad at all. No, it's not long. It's totally worth watching. Um, what's interesting? So anime is almost always based on manga. Um, not always, but almost always based on manga, and. Most anime will include episodes that they call them filler when they're getting too close when the manga and the anime are running concurrently, um, where it's storylines that don't exist in the manga and they just create the episodes in order to create more of a space in between the episodes that are coming out from the anime and the manga issues that are coming out. But something that Full Metal Alchemist did was that the anime story ended up just going entirely left of what the manga did. But both stories are good. That is so what's how rare. does Brotherhood figure so into Brotherhood all this? Brotherhood takes the actual story from the manga and animates it. So the parts that have been animated in the original series from 2003, I think when mm -hmm. I looked it up, um, they fast track it in Brotherhood to get to the parts that were never animated. From the manga. The manga is a hundred chapters, I think. 
Okay, that makes sense. Because I had a lot of people asking me, like, are you watching Brotherhood? And I was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, okay. No, but I really, I loved, I really liked the characters. I really, I was just, I I think, I, like, I didn't, I just, I was, didn't know what to expect at all. And it wasn't, but even then you go in with expectations. With the manga I read, um, generally it's been, let's see, what have I read? Like I've read like um, some of Karu Mori's stuff, which is like some like, it was like historical, like it's, it's, you know, it's not really traditional manga. And then I've read like Bakuman, I think it's called, mm-hmm. which is like the manga, the like manga about creating manga. Which is good. I like it. I mean, it's terribly sexist, but it's good. Um, and so, like, I've read a lot of contemporary stuff. Like, yeah, and I, re- I read some sports manga, um, Yellow Pedal, which is like a cycling manga. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but like, I feel like everything I read is mostly like contemporary. I haven't read a lot of like fantasy. Stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is very, and this is also so formative for a lot of the manga that came after it. Um, I mean, I highly, highly recommend it because I just think the writing is so strong and the story is so strong. And I love the Elric brothers. I think the character, and I love Winry and I love Mustang and um, Hawkeye and all of these characters who are so great. I don't think you even, there's so many characters you haven't met yet who are so great. Um, I did like Mustang a lot, like the little, like, I think he he was kind of in and out, but I did like him a lot. And I just, the dialogue was really fun. Yeah. Uh, Once it got out of, like, it it did a really good job balancing the high and low, like, not high and low, like the light and dark moments. Like, some of the dark moments get really dark and serious, but it's also, like, some of, like, the dialogue while they're, like, having, like, fight scenes is hilarious. Yeah, and it's like not—it's not like it's unintentionally hilarious, and it's like making fun of it. It's like it's supposed to be funny. Like yes. it's supposed to be like silly, and like they did. A- Ed's a hothead and so yeah. tiny. Oh my god, he's a tiny it's- hothead who hates milk. His like his aversion to being called short was amazing. It's so good, but I thought it did a really good job balancing between those like light moments and dark moments it did a great job it just it was it was really it was just very very just unexpected like I keep saying it's unexpected but like I don't know like it got so dark I know well what's I think what they do so well is that these kids have a really sad story right like their story is sad but the yeah. characters are so resilient and so willing to fight and continue to work to make things right that you are just in it with them. And, well, they, and think, you know, they don't get swallowed up by their sadness. And I think part of what is unexpected for me is the fact that they are teens. So, A, like, I ex- there are certain things I expect. Because, like, I knew it was about, I'm pretty sure I knew it was about, like, teenagers. Or even if I didn't know, I probably just assumed because it's manga. Right. Um, so, or, sorry, it's anime. Um, so, I think I didn't expect it, A, to get as dark as it did. And, B, if it is dark, I expect it to be more angsty based on what we 
do here with our YA. Like right. anytime YA gets dark, it also gets very angsty. And this was angsty in some ways, but it was it was introspective without going to that level, which I yeah. appreciate. Because the angst sometimes, as you know, um, in YA, I'm just like, oh, come on now. <laughs> like, I, just, <laughs> I know, I know you're teenagers, but... Listen, um, they feel this, things very deeply. Yes, and they do too. So do Al and um, Ed, but it just, they deal with the angst. Like, the angst is present, but they deal with it in a way that is very effective for storytelling. Yeah. That's not the focus. Yes. Agreed to all those things. Yeah, I don't know. I really liked it. It was a very, like I said, I did not expect it given no, I guess, I guess that's why I keep saying it's unexpected because it was um, about, I knew it was about teenagers and like, it was just, it's dark, man. Mm, It's real dark. (laughs) Wow. But like, then the story means so much because it's them overcoming, you know, seemingly insurmountable odds. Yeah. Okay, so if people who, because I'm, I'm going to assume that a lot of the people who are listening to us talk about this right now have not seen it, how can they watch it? That is a very good question. Um, get, are there episodes on, like, YouTube? Because as far as we could tell, we could tell there were not episodes available on any sort of streaming service. It's really hard to find the original series. You'll be able to find Brotherhood pretty easily. Um, I happen to have a lot of the old episodes. Um I think you can still get, this is so old school, but you can still get DVDs mm-hmm. of the original series. Um, the manga you can access right, anywhere, of course. right? Like the story you can get from manga very, very easily. Uh, it's just when they put Brotherhood out, it pushed the original series out of the way. Um, but they are two different things. So if you search for it, just search for Full Metal Alchemist um, 2003. Subbed or dubbed, because I believe it was also dubbed. Right, and you told me the sub is better. I personally like subbed better than dubbed. It it was a very heated conversation back in the day in many an anime forum. Because I was like, I was going to watch the first episode, and I was like, oh crap, this is is subtitled. I can't, like, do other things. And I I was was like, like, subs all the way. Because if you get dubbed, you have to make sure it's, like, good dub. Where they're not, yeah. like, mispronouncing words, and it's just super distracting. But yes, my final verdict is I very much enjoyed it. Yes. And I definitely will want to watch more Success! I know, it was really good! It was fun! But it was, like, I say it's fun. Like, it was, it was fun, but it was also, like, really contemplative, which I think is, like, anything that makes me think, that but draws me into a story, oh my I'm God. You have so much ahead of you. I'm so excited. I know. I have a feeling I know that there's more anime coming up on our next fandom yes. slot. Yes. Um, All right. Very quickly, wrapping up because we are at almost an hour and a half. What, yeah. Yes. Let's, let's do. Oh, shoot. Okay. Very, very, very quickly. Oh, no. Okay. So this is a story. Uh, um, okay. It feels like it was so long ago, but a month ago, I flew to San Francisco um, to see a play Um, because I feel like, you know, every so often I got to put my money where my mouth is. And I talk a lot about representation. And this was a play filled with like an entire cast of South Asian people. Um, There was a movie that came out in 2001 called Monsoon Wedding. 
directed by probably the most famous Indian director in the West, um, or known in the West, Mira Nair. And they brought it to stage in Berkeley and San Fran, and it was a magical experience seeing this play with that cast at this time. And um, also, we met Mira Nair, and it was basically the coolest night ever. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, the play will be coming to Broadway next year. Um, but keep an eye out for it. In the meantime, you can rent the movie. It is available probably everywhere. Monsoon yeah. Wedding. It's a good movie. Um, okay, let's see. Oh, okay, and then I have a South Asian shout-out, too. Um, I, I, um, I guess it was like two weeks ago, I read The Library of Fates by Aditi Korana, and um, Preeti, you talked about her first book, like, last, on our last show, I feel yeah, like. Yeah. Uh, um, Mirror in the Sky. Mirror in the Sky. So this is a fan. That was a sci-fi. Um, that was sci-fi. This is fantasy. Um, it's YA, and it tells a story of a princess of a mythical kingdom, um, South Asian st- type kingdom, um, and she agrees to marry the emperor of an evil, like kind of rival kingdom, in order to keep the peace. But you know, things don't go as planned, and things just it 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 it. I loved the book. I or, I. I thought it was really creative I mean it it wasn't perfect there were some things where I thought were rushed some things where I thought I was like oh well this should be more fleshed out it wasn't like a hundred percent perfect but I really did love it and I did an interview with her for sci-fi wire um for fangirls that should be going up I don't know tomorrow sometime this week because the book comes out tomorrow and um um, Aditi talks so much about like representation and intersectionality and privilege and the ideas that and like current politics um and like the idea she used while she was writing this book and like that the interview was so mind like she was so good and I so like it was it. yeah it was one of those things where I wish I'd read the interview before I read the book because now I want to go back and like see these threads like because they I did see them in the book the first time reading them but I didn't really know where they were coming from and what exactly you know what exactly she was doing with them and now I know and now I'm like oh I think I know like I think and so now I really have to go back and reread it so anyway read read the interview and then read the book because it's a great book I know I'm super psyched to read the book I haven't I haven't picked it up yet um okay so things we love um you can talk what do you love um I got back to elementary which I'm excited about because I took a break for a little while um personally I think it is the highly superior Sherlock show uh, oh, I, I love it. I'm, so I'm like good. a season or two behind, but I really like uh, it. Lucy Liu as Joan Watson is my everything. Yeah. She, and in this, this season, and this is such a ridiculous way to talk about it, but her, her costumer is always Oh my God, point, her clothes but are like, so good. This season in particular, she has been amazing, but also like, the partnership and the respect that the yeah. characters of Joan and Sherlock show to one another on the show far exceeds many other iterations of that relationship. Um, it's just... And I think it's one of the best examples of a male-female partnership. A platonic partnership. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is... It's so realistic and it's so... And also, I know Lucy Liu, um, that show is also so incidentally diverse. Like, and it's because she makes a point that whenever there is a role on the show open, she requests that it be filled by a person of color. 
and you see it. You see it mm-hmm. all the time. And I notice when you're watching that show, it is like speaking roles will very, you know, very often be filled by people of color. Yeah, I, like, I really do enjoy that show. I'm behind on it. It's but, so um, good. It's so good. Um, okay, so my thing I love is still cycling because literally the Tour de France is going on right now. And I'm watching, <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating when I say I'm watching six hours a day of cycling. Like I just put it on in the background when I'm like working and then like pause it. And so like usually I'll watch like two or two hours like during the work day and then like I'll just put it on in the evenings while I'm like cooking dinner while I'm like reading and then just, um, so yeah, that is most of what I'm doing. I also watched the premiere of salvation. I think it is, which is the new like show on CBS that it's about like an asteroid coming to like, is about to hit the earth and it's really stupid. Honestly, it's really dumb and, (laughs) but it's like what I need right now. Like all shows can't be super intellectual because I don't have that kind of brain power. And so it's like, the science is good. The science is like the science is sound, and it's it's um, got Santiago Cabrera in it, yes! who is from the Musketeers, um, which and is Merlin. I love that show, and, and he's so Heroes. good looking. Oh, he's in Merlin. Yeah, he's he plays Lance a lot. Oh my god. Okay, now we really have to watch that show. Okay. Um. Um. So anyway, he's so good looking and like, and then the guy who, I don't, I forget his name now, of course, the guy who played Kona's boyfriend or husband in Hawaii Five-0. Um, he played I, Adam. I don't, I don't remember his name, but he's very good looking and he's also in it. And so like two actors of color woohoo, are in it and they're major characters. And, um, it's like, it's, it's dumb and it's kind of like, it's one of those, like, if you watch enough CBS shows, like Hawaii Five-0, which I don't watch anymore after, you know, mm-hmm. Daniel Day Kim and Grace Park have exited because they were not, they were not getting paid enough. Um, but like that, like, like Scorpion, like the series of like CBS shows that are just like, feel relatively smart, feel good. Well, I mean, Hawaii Five-0 is not smart. But that's okay. Um, but like, this <laughs> show is relatively smart, feel good. Like, it's just, it's a good show. I like it. Go watch it so they keep making more space shows. <laughs> that is my pitch. <laughs> like, like, I don't know, Hot Men, some diversity, like, and, and asteroids. That's, that's all I got. Um, all right. That okay. was a big show. There was a lot that happened on that show. Um, Okay, so real quick for Patreon, um, thank you to Ortarsis and I, Ben, am very smelly at the $10 level, <laughs> and Annie, Megan, Claire, and Brian at $5, um, and you can find our Patreon if you want to continue to support these, like, ridiculously long episodes, I'm sorry, at patreon.com slash Girls, and then rate us on iTunes, and we'll be back for Revenge of the Sith this month. Yeah, definitely, in maybe, a couple weeks. Maybe, <laughs> maybe really early August, depending on how our recording schedule goes, but yeah, like, Later, late July, early August. Soon. I, I, um, soon. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at Daisy Geek Girls. I am at Run With Skizzers. At S. Krishna. And as always, we will see you next time. Yes. Thanks for listening. <laughs>